Tiffany, I don't know if you uh, get annoyed with me every time I play the piano because I know I, I probably move it to ways that you're not, you don't like it, but uh, I apologize for that. I, uh, I don't have formal training. I don't know how to make things <laughs> look pretty. Well, we are finishing this series on sequence, and it's been, it's been one that I think is, is needed to be, in reality, reiterated over and over and over again. This series has been what it means to, what it means to be a believer. This series is the definition of what we believe, of why we believe it, of why we need to believe it, and, you know, we, we've gone through the fall of humanity, the sin of humanity, how the law is a revelation, a mirror to that sin, but doesn't really clean us of that sin. We talked about how Jesus cleans us of that sin through his atonement, and how last week it's our just faith in that atonement, simply by believing in it that we are saved, not through anything of our own accord. So now this week, we're coming out of that. Okay, so when we realize we're when we realize that the law doesn't clean us off, that it just shows us our sin, when we realize that Christ is what saves us, when we realize that faith in Christ is what justifies us, well, now what? Now that we've believed, now that we've given our life to Christ, where do we move from there? That is sanctification. And it, it's, it's interesting, there are a couple thousand years of history of using this word, sanctification. And there are some people that would say that sanctification it happens before you become a Christian. That in order to give your life to Christ, you have to be sanctified first. That you have to be cleansed, you have to be, you have to be washed, and then when you're in right standing, now you can give your life to Christ. But that's not the biblical way of understanding it. Sanctification happens after Christ has cleaned us. We can't clean ourselves off, so once Christ does clean us, what, what do we, where do we go from there? And that's what we're talking about that. We're talking about what it means to grow in Christ-likeness. So I'm going to open us up in a word of prayer. And then we'll, uh, we'll get started this morning in, in our message. Father God, I'm so grateful for your revelation. For the revelation of your word so that we can understand you better. And then for the revelation of the word who has made atonement for us. Who, and when we place our faith in. We are washed clean. And so, God, I just pray that every single one of us this morning comes to this commitment where we place our faith in the one, in, in your Son, in Christ, who washes us clean. And that in so doing, we desire to grow more like him every single day. God, work through this message this morning. Speak through me. Speak through your word so that it is clear and available for us to put into practice. We love you, Lord. It's in your Son's name we pray. Amen. Now, I don't know how many of you are impatient people. I wonder how many of us think of the word process or progress in the way that it is meant to be used. You know, I think to this, this 127 road that's being built out here, this new, this new road, you know, that's been eight years in the making. <laughs> it's it, it's funny we laugh, but it's it's like we laugh in pain because of it, not not out of like it actually being funny. But I, I I wonder how many of us during this eight year span would look out at this road and say, "Boy, I am just I am so glad that it's taken eight years to put this together. 
I, I am so happy that their progress has been this slow, that the process that they've been doing has been, man, I just love having dirt in my eyes. I love breathing it in. So I'm, I'm so glad they're moving. That's, you know, I don't think any of us in their right minds would make that statement, that, that we are happy with slow progress, with slow process. None of us would, would make that statement. And, I, you know, part of that is because the word process or progress carries within it the connotation of proceeding forward. So if you're not moving forward, if you're not progressing, then you're kind of nullifying or contradicting the word. So when we think of progress, when we think of process, we think of immediate growth. We think of quick growth, of immediate change, of, of, of moving quickly. And another, another analogy we can use is driving. You know, my, my wife so lovingly reminds me that I'm a slow driver and part of that is because when you've wrecked as many times as me, you, you don't want to drive fast anymore. You want to get there alive. So <laughs> she, she sometimes gets impatient with me. And she's also a speed racer. So, you know, there's, there's a difference there. But as slow as I am at driving, my, the slowest driver I've ever met is my dad. I mean, oh, my goodness. Talk about slow driving. We used to go to tournaments for, for baseball when we played AAU baseball. And, and we would take at that time GPS wasn't a big thing not not everyone had a GPS or if you did you had one of those satellite GPS's that were always wrong so there was no point in really using them and so what we would do at that time was we would travel by caravan you know we we would have a bunch of cars in a line going down the interstate following one another and what would always happen without fail is we would start we would leave from the same spot we would get about halfway there, and the caravan would be gone, and my dad is like two hours now behind the rest of the caravan because he drove so slow. And it got so bad that the head coach actually began to make my dad go to the front of the caravan so that everyone was supposed to stay behind him, but then everyone just got impatient and drove by him. So my dad was known as the slowpoke, the guy that took his time to come by. And that's not what you want to be known as. You don't want to be known as the guy that doesn't move along at a nice, strong pace. But, you know, in the era of a fast-paced world, it's, it's difficult to do anything slowly. You know, everything's moving so quickly by you. Everything's progressing so quickly that when something happens slowly, it's really easy to be impatient. We have instant information with, with iPhones and, and, and computers. We, we have quick travel with, with our cars, with the interstate system, with airplanes. Um, we have immediate, in our minds, transformation. Things should happen immediately. We seem to expect that everything we could ever want in life, at least in the world today, should be received at this moment's notice that I want it, I put it, my order in on Amazon and better be here by tomorrow. But in the realm of faith, in the realm of sanctification, that's not the case. And, and this morning, that's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about the process of sanctification. And when, when I say the word process, I'm not saying that it is a, an instantaneous thing where we believe, we're justified by that belief, and then we're instantly sanctified. That we're instantly made clean. and Well, we are made clean, but that we're instantly becoming like Christ. That we instantly, all of a sudden, never want to sin evermore. Our proclivity towards sin is completely gone. That's how sometimes we think of it. You know, and, and there's actually many, what I would call, heretical preachers today that say that when you become a Christian, your desire to sin just goes away. 
There are some that will say, I haven't sinned in years. I haven't sinned since I became a Christian. I haven't been tempted by sin since I became a Christian. And I'm not making that up. There are many preachers that say that. Not many, but there are quite a few that have a following. But that's just not the case biblically. We see that today through Paul that sanctification does not mean instant absolvement of sinful desires. Sanctification is a ongoing process. And so this morning, we're going to be kind of finishing out in Romans. We're going to be jumping all throughout this book um, as we're finishing out this message. But in order for us to kind of understand what sanctification is, in order for us to comprehend what, what Paul is speaking of here as we come out of what it means to be delivered through faith, to be, uh, have Christ as our atonement. I, I want us to turn to Romans chapter 6. We're going to look at two different passages in Romans that basically explain to us what sanctification, what sanctification is. He says in Romans chapter 6, starting in verse 15, What then should we sin because we are no longer under the law, but under grace? Absolutely not. You see, what's going on here is that you know, there, he, he's, he's uh, going back and forth with his arguments. He's making sure he's, he's addressing rhetorical questions. Okay, so he he's, talks about how the law is not the way we find righteousness anymore. It never could bring us righteousness. It just showed us what sin was. And now through Jesus, grace gives us righteousness. And so he's saying, you know, Jesus is the one that makes us righteous, not ourselves making us righteous. And, and the, the natural inclination is to say, well, if Jesus just gives us righteousness, I guess we can do whatever we want now. Right? You know, that's the other side of the coin. You have one side of the coin that says, as soon as you have faith in Christ, you never want to sin again. The other as, well, when you have faith in Christ, you can sin as much as you want. But Jesus, or Paul is saying, what, should we keep sinning since we're under Jesus and not the law? Absolutely not. Don't you know that if you offer yourselves to someone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of that one you obey, either of sin leading to death or of obedience leading to righteousness? But thank God that although you used to be slaves of sin, you obeyed from the heart that pattern of teaching to which you were handed over and have been set free from sin because you, you, because having been set free from sin, you became enslaved to righteousness. Now, what Paul is not saying here is that we are set free from the temptation of sin. He says we've been set free from the consequence of sin, and in so doing, now we have become slaves to righteousness. That we want to be obedient to the, the, the law of righteousness, to the following of Jesus. He's not saying that because we've been set free from sin, we no longer desire to sin. But that we have the opportunity to follow in the steps of Christ. He set us free from sin. He paid the atonement price. He did all of the work to give us righteousness. And now that we are righteous... Now that we belong to him and not to sin, it should be our goal to be obedient to him, not to the world. That's what he's saying. He's not saying that we'll never desire to sin ever again. And he's not saying that we should just go ahead and keep on sinning since Jesus paid the price for us. 
He's saying that by Jesus paying the price for us, we should desire to follow him and not fall back into the ways of the world. In, in Romans chapter 12, 1 and 2, he says this, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in the view of the mercies of God, he's saying because of God's mercy, because of God's love, because of God's grace, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is true worship. Don't be conformed to this age, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may discern what is good, pleasing, and perfect will of God. So, there's the definition of sanctification. Sanctification means not that when we are, when Christ pays the price for us, we no longer have any desire to sin. And it doesn't mean that we can now go on and sin as much as we want because the more we sin, the more grace Jesus gives us. It means that because of Jesus' atonement, because of the righteousness that is upon us, we should desire to be transformed continually, to be obedient to him who is righteous, to follow him who is our master, not the person that previously held our chains. The process of becoming a reflection of God's nature because we know that he paid the price for us. We once were owned by sin. Jesus paid the price for us to be owned by him. Doesn't mean that we don't look back and see sin and desire sin, but it means that we should desire to be transformed and follow in his footsteps. That's what sanctification means. Now, the, the difficulty in this is that it is a process. It's not just a one-off thing. You're sanctified, and now you'll never desire to sin. You're sanctified, and now you know have to really work at transforming yourself. And, and it's important to know, too, that no matter what we do, we ourselves can't win the spiritual battle within us. We aren't the ones who our strength comes from. It comes from the spirit within us. But when we don't follow that spirit, when we don't follow that spirit, we're going to be corrupted by the opposite spirit at war within us. That's what Paul goes on to say in chapter 7. Remember, I said we're bouncing all back and forth. He says, so I discover this law. When I want to do what is good, evil is present with me. For in my inner self, I delight in God's law. But I see a different law in the parts of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and taking me prisoner to the law of sin in the parts of my body. What a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Thanks be to God through Christ Jesus our Lord. So then, with my mind, I myself, I am serving the law of God, but with my flesh, the law of sin. Okay, now, like I've said before, Paul uses some, some difficult language sometimes, some difficult analogies. It, it, it's hard to follow him. But what Paul is saying in here is, is if you've ever read the Galatians letter where he's denoting the fruits of the Spirit. You have the fruits of the Spirit of God and the fruits of the Spirit of flesh. The fruits of the Spirit of God, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, on and on. The fruits of the Spirit of flesh, envy, drunkenness, carousing, all these other... You, you have two opposing spirits. And one spirit, the spirit of the world, the spirit of the flesh, the spirit of sin, is going to produce fruit in you. And the other spirit, the spirit of God, of righteousness, is going to produce different type of fruit in you. 
And that same language Paul is using here, only he's talking about it in terms of this war that is waging within him. And so I have a couple pictures that I want to show. The first picture, we have this picture of, of, a, of a, a, a body with, that's outlined in black and this outlined in gray and in black in the middle. This is a picture of us before we come to Christ. This is a picture of us that, that we have a soul and that soul is filled with the fleshly spirit and, and, Paul's, and, and what Paul ex- explains. We, we are filled with this desire to sin, filled with this desire to follow the ways of the world. But then that in, in, in inner self gets filled with God. And that inner self now, we have part of us is filled with the spirit of God and the other part is still filled with the spirit of flesh. And he's saying, he's saying, my inner self, the part of myself that is, is filled with God, is desiring the things of God. But then I have this other part of me that's saying, no, this way. And so now we have this split between the flesh and the spirit, where one is chasing sin and one is chasing the way of God. And that is the difficulty of sanctification. Because we were born in this world. We were born with this desire, to, this, this chasing after of sin. But when we're filled with Christ's spirit, we're reborn. And so we're now having to com- completely change. We're com- having to transform ourselves to go from this spirit of sin we've grown up in to now following the spirit of God that we've not been used to following. And Paul goes on then in chapter 8. And in verse 12, he says, So then, brothers and sisters, we're not obligated to the flesh to live according to the flesh. Because if you live according to the flesh, you're going to die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all those led by God's Spirit are God's sons. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children. And if children, also heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, so that we may also be glorified with him. Okay, so now we, we see this. We have this, this fleshly spirit that has dwelled within us that's chasing after sin, the spirit of God that is now within us because of our faith in Christ that is chasing after God. And Paul is saying, we got to be aware that this is who we are now. We are co-heirs, that next picture. We are co-heirs with with God, and and we need to be chasing after God. We need to be chasing after the promise of God, the the, the desire for righteousness, and leave behind the desires of the flesh. But like Paul is saying in the language that he used, this is difficult. This is a roller coaster. Because every time you start thinking, I'm following God, I'm following God, I'm following God, oh, look, something's shiny. And you, and you want to just revert back to where you were. It's like uh, if you've ever watched that movie Up, you have that dog that is, has that cone on his head, and he's talking, and you have a talking dog, and he's talking, and then I'll swirl. You know, that's how we are with sin. I want to chase after God. I want to be a co-heir with Christ. I want to do this. I want to live righteously, but boy, that looks good. There's this roller coaster. Sanctification is not a straight line. Sanctification is not instantaneous. Sanctification is a battle. And it's not a battle that we can win on our own. It's not a battle that we can accomplish by our own means. 
frankly, it's not even a battle that is possible for us to win in this life. Sanctification is a roller coaster. It's a battle of opposing spirits that we have going on within us. And until we realize this, it's going to be difficult for us to grow in righteousness. Now, we see that sanctification is a process, that it's difficult, that it is, the definition is that it, we're trying to become a better reflection of God's nature. But then, like I said, what is the goal? Is the goal to become the perfect reflection of God's nature? Well, frankly, that's not possible, right? We still live in a fallen world. So then what is the goal of sanctification? What, what, what is it that, you know, in that what is it that we're actually chasing after? Paul doesn't fully answer this in Romans. He does a better job answering this in his letter to the Philippians. In Philippians chapter 3, he's writing to him. He says, not that I have already reached the goal or am already perfect, but I make every effort to take hold of it because I've also been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Now, it's important to note here that previously in this letter, Paul is writing to the Philippians about, about the nature of Jesus, about following the nature of Jesus, about, about conforming to him, about participating in, in verse 10, he says, my goal is to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death, assuming that I will somehow reach the resurrection of among the dead. He's saying, this is my goal. I want to do these things. But then he says, not that I've already reached this goal. So these are the things I want to do. I want to be like Christ. I want to follow Christ in every aspect, but I, I haven't reached this goal. And, and I'm not already perfect in this goal. But I make every effort to take hold of it, because I have also been taken hold of by Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and reaching forward to what is ahead. I pursue as my goal the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let all of us who are mature think this way, and if you think differently about anything, God will reveal this also to you. There's, two, there's one word, one Greek word, two instances of this word that are used here that really explain the goal of sanctification. It, it's the word teleos. Go ahead and say teleos. I, teleos. Yeah. I had a professor that used to make us do that, and, and we would say if, we're if he, it was a Greek word, he'd speak, you are excellent Greek speakers. And if it was a Hebrew word, he'd say, you're excellent Hebrew speakers. And frankly, you know, when, when I ask you to say a word, you have no idea what that word means. So. But the, the point is it, it wakes you up a little bit. Teleos is a word that means outcome or complete or goal. And, and, the word that we're, and, and the word that is there in verse 12 where he says, I'm already perfect. That word is the perfect passive use of the word teleos, which takes the meaning of being made perfect, being made complete. He's saying, not that I am already made perfect. Not that I am already made complete. So he's emphasizing, this is my goal, to chase after Christ, to be like Christ, to follow in Christ. But you know what? I'm not made perfect yet. 
And then we come down here to verse 15, and he says, Therefore, let all of us who are mature think this way. Now, that's a different word in our English translations, but it's the same, it, it's the same word in Greek. The, the first word is tetelion, which is the, the form of teleos that is passive. This one is an adjective. So in the one sense, you're saying, Paul's saying, not that I'm already made perfect, but then he says, but those of us who are teleos, those of us who are mature, those of us who are, are growing are the ones whose goal it is to pursue the prize promised by God's heavenly call in Christ Jesus. So what he's emphasizing here is it is not possible to complete this goal. We can't measure up. We can't catch Christ. He's always running. He's always ahead of us. We're chasing a shadow that we can't grab. It's not possible for us to be made complete, to be made perfect here. But the goal is to keep chasing. The mature Christian, he says, the one that is growing in this completeness is the one that per constantly pursues the shadow of Christ, who constantly pursues the character of Christ. That is the goal of sanctification. It's not that we, we eventually finally get to this point we can say, finally, I finish. I can sit down and rest a little bit. Finally, I, I caught Christ. No, it's we are continually chasing after him, and the more we chase, the more we realize, boy, oh boy, I can never measure up. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. Because as much as I want to catch you, it's just not possible. So sanctification is this process of becoming a better reflection of God's nature. And this process is difficult. It's arduous. It, it's, an, it, it's a battle of opposing spirits. But true sanctification is an unattainable goal that as Christians, we're never meant to stop striving for. We become a follower. We say, he paid the price. He made me righteous. I have faith in him, and I am going to follow him even though I won't ever be able to catch him. You know, I, an interesting way to explain this, to illustrate this from a human perspective is uh, through a, an example of my dad. I don't, I don't know how many of you when you were little, like I'm talking five years old, were amazed by the size of how big your dad was. My dad was this, this hulking of a guy, hairy arms and legs, which just for some reason stuck out to me. His hands were huge. And I just any time I looked at him, I was just amazed by how big my dad was. And I remember when we were little, we used to, he would grab our hands and we would step on his feet. You know, and, and he would grab our hands and he'd walk just normal strides while we were on his feet. And, and he was just walking normally. And to me, I was stretching and doing splits every single time. I was walking on his toes. And I was amazed by just how far he was taking every single step. And, and I jumped down off his toes, and he would continue walking forward, and I'd be watching him, and I'd be trying to match his stride, stride and stride, and it was never possible, right? Because he is so much bigger than me. He's so much older than me. His legs are so his legs were the size that I was. There was no way that I would step in step with him, but I tried. I tried because I admired him, because I was amazed by him, and I wanted to be step by step within him. 
Because that's close to him. That's sanctification. Sanctification is the realization I can't be completely in step with Christ, but boy, oh boy, I'm going to try. I can't measure up to his strides, but boy, oh boy, I'm going to chase after him and try my hardest to do so. It is the realization that we are woefully inadequate to be in God's presence, that we need his righteousness, and we want to pursue his character once we have his righteousness within us. The question that we have to ask ourselves this morning, though, is are we trying to grow? Are we looking at Christ and saying, man, I, 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 I just feel like I'm stuck. I feel like I'm pursuing the ways of the world. God, I want to follow you. And are we engaging with that? Are we saying, I'm going to steep myself in prayer. I'm going to steep myself in studying your word so I know who you are. I'm going to beg and ask for you to come within me. Or are we just saying, well, I believed. We'll see what happens from here. I would argue that unless we engage with this process of sanctification, of growing in Christ-likeness, we're not truly aspiring to be like Him. We're not truly appreciating the righteousness that He covered us with. Sanctification is a process that is never going to end. And eventually when this world ends, when our life here ends, our hope is that we stand in His presence and say, man, God, as much as I tried back there, I, there is no way I could have ever gotten to where you're at right here. But thank you for having the grace and love for me that allows me to stand here in front of you. Sanctification is the realization we can't measure up, but the desire to chase him nonetheless. I hope this morning, as we come to a close, that for those of us that have given our lives to Christ, those of us who have professed faith in what He's done, we now desire for Him to grow out from us. We now desire to chase Him and not the world, to grow in Him, to try to match Him step for step. And if you haven't given Him your life, well, that's the first step. That's the first step movement in the process of saying, God, I don't measure up. I need you in order for me to start growing like you. This morning, as we close our time together and worship with this hymn, Take Time to Be Holy, this is a time for anyone that wants to give their life, that wants to recommit their life, that wants to, to say, I, I, I want to grow in step with Christ. This is a time to come forward and do that. And make that commitment. And I urge you to do so. If you don't want to do it now, to do it later. But to do it nonetheless. Let's close in a word of prayer before we end in worship. Father God, thank you for, for your righteousness. A righteousness that we could never attain. That we could never earn. That we could never grasp. God, for those of us that haven't given our lives to you, I just pray that, that there's something welling up in our hearts to chase after you. To say, I, I have faith in you, God. 
I have faith in your son. I have faith in his atonement. And now I just want to continually, for the rest of my life, chase you. And for those of us that have made that commitment, God, place within us a desire in our heart to never stop running after you, to never stop striving to match you step for step, to never stop desiring for you to work this process of sanctification within us. It's at your hands that we are made clean. It's by your power that we are made righteous. God, help us to chase after you every step of the way for all of our days. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.